this episode. Your take on what's the science of storytelling? Kind of accidentally, all this research has been done about the efficacy of story. We're not even talking about story yet, right? He's curious curious about oxytocin levels and, and increasing trust. Showing a piece of yourself, you're telling an example of something that happened in your life to show people that you're like them. And, you know, it's very hard to do that with dot points. Communicating an idea um, using story is more likely to produce action or some sort of um, behaviour change. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. We've got a guest on the podcast today. But before we introduce the guest, uh, just a a reminder that we've released our calendar of events for 2022. So all of our programs, Storytelling Leaders, Story Powered Sales, Story Powered Data, they're all up there on our website, anecdote.com forward slash events. And if you're interested in evaluating any of these programs for adoption within your organization, then please just ping us a little note and we'll send you a ticket. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. And yes, as you say, we have a, a guest uh, today. Uh, Rob Grundle has uh, joined us, which is funny. I mean, Rob's a colleague of ours. In, he's one of the principals of Anecdote. And this came about, we thought it'd be great to have Rob on the show because uh, Rob and I have been working uh, with a customer, uh, Mars. Um, and in the sort of conversations we've had to them, at one point, uh, they sort of said to us, hey, we'd really like a little maybe a, your take on what's the science of storytelling. Rob, welcome to the show. Maybe you can tell us what happened with this, uh, uh, this request that we got from the guys from Mars. Yeah. Hey, Sean and Mark, good to be on today. So yeah, we got this request and um, we were curious about that. And, you know, you and I talked about it, Sean, and we thought, yeah. well, you know, this, this is a question that we'd love to answer, not just for our clients at Mars, but actually for the, the wider world. And, you know, I think it was your observation that in your book and in Mike Adams' book, um, there are lots of examples of uh, research already done around story, and maybe we could find some more. So we started collating everything and and seeing what studies were out there. I think what was surprising, well, to me, it was surprising was that in most of these studies um, that we saw, the researchers were never going, were never starting out with the question, how effective is story? They were doing um, research about trust. They were doing research around behavior change. Uh, They were doing research around how people make decisions. And in all these cases, um, there is often communication needs to happen between people. And, uh, and, And when that communication happens, Uh, If a story gets told or if a story has certain properties, then um, it would have an impact on the study um, in question. And so um, kind of accidentally, all this research has been done about the efficacy of story. And of course, with an anecdote, we're interested about business storytelling, right? So the studies that we're really focusing on are the ones that, um, you know, what are leaders trying to influence in their in their world you know they're trying to influence behavior change decision making uh building rep- you know a rapport with other people building better relationships and so we we've looked at um the studies around that to not just go what, what's the science about storytelling in general but more specifically uh what did research show as it relates to um 
I guess, achieving things together uh, in, a, in, a, in a human way, you know, which is what, yeah. uh, what we are all about here at Anecdote. Actually, you know, just on that, that whole thing about the researchers not setting out to study storytelling, but kind of stumble into it. I reckon one of the classic examples of that is the brain syncing uh, experiments yeah. with the MRI scanners. Um, I think it was uh, Yuri Hassan was one of the researchers, but I think there was a few other researchers that did the study. And I remember he was the lead researcher. So I sent him a note because as I read through the article, it was clear that they were just talking about information, but kind of just stumbled on story. And they found this great brain sinking uh, situation. And I sort of said to him, oh, you know, have did you try uh, compare this with, a non-story information. And of course, they hadn't even thought, or thought about it because they didn't know they were dealing with story. It was just so interesting um, that it's just it was just going under the radar uh, for a lot of these guys. Of course, ever since that, I think they did that study back in 2012, maybe even earlier, um, yeah, they're now talking about storytelling. You know, That's right. In his TED talk, uh, uh, Yuri Hassan, uh, talked about story and the difference between story. Oh, right, and right. Story. So he's right so onto it now. He's, he? he's now gone, oh, yeah. Yeah, so interesting. It's kind of cool. I think what's interesting about that as well is that as with any scientific experiment um, or research, it's always the best possible explanation at any moment. You know, we know that uh, if you just look at the history of science, you know, Copernicus, uh, Newton, Einstein, whatever, that there's always, you know, people are standing on the shoulders of giants. So um, I think the other thing about this research is that it isn't like, oh, here's proof, but it's like, here's something that's really interesting. Mm. Here is something that we can be really curious about and be and go, wow, I wonder, you know, th th this is showing us something. And, you know, not to, not to go, well, that's it. It's been, the case has been shut and closed, but actually it's something to be curious about. And like with Yuri, it's uh, work to be continued as well. Yes. Yeah. It's, I, I heard a lovely uh, metaphor around this whole research approach by a guy called Andrew Wiles. I don't know if you know Andrew Wiles, but he's a mathematician who was the guy who did the proof on Fermat's last theorem, right? So, uh, which is like, you know, a, a problem that was around for 350 years and he, he nailed it, right? Uh, but it, it wasn't easy i mean he spent seven years in secret right by himself his wife was the only one who knew he was working on it uh to work this thing out but he's, he was talking on an interview just recently oh maybe a few years ago and he sort of said it's like this imagine you're walking into a mansion which is totally dark and you walk in you bump into a bit of furniture and you go, okay, what and you're trying to work out what that furniture is. And, and you're in there for six months. And then for six, after six months, you start to work out where all the furniture is and where, the, where things are and how to get around. And then all of a sudden you find the light switch and all of a sudden, bam, everything's there. You know, you've, you've had the breakthrough, you can see it all. It actually fits the way you expect it to fit. Um, and it's so interesting when he when he describes the breakthrough he had to really solve that problem, he wells up. He can't even speak. He's so emotional mm. uh, at that point. It's um, it's you know one of those great big insights. 
Anyway, that's a little sidebar, isn't it, for what we're talking about? I can see Mark looking at me going, "What in the hell? Why are you telling that, Sean?" Well, rabbit, I was gonna, rabbit hole coming. I was actually going to uh, jump on the back of that because um, I wanted to tell a story about a particular piece of research, and it actually happened in three parts. There was three realizations that this researcher uh, Polzak, and we should also mention, like you said before, Sean, it's never a single person; it's a whole research team. It's you know. Um, but anyway, it's Paul Zach's crew. Um, he had this uh, realization around uh, behavior change um, across three different studies. Um, so, and we this is one that we detail in the in the paper. So back in two thousand four, Paul Zach had done some research and uh, around trust and how people, um, what happens when people start trusting each other, what's happening in the body, and the way they did that was they. Um, they set up all the experiments where people connected and they just measured the different hormone levels in the body. And um, this is the short version, right? And what he realized was that the hormone that goes up when people start to trust each other is oxytocin. Okay, so end of study one, we can show that um, a rising level of oxytocin shows a, a rising level of trust between people. Right. So then Paul Zach gets curious and he thinks, well, um, this is back in 2004. He's, now he's thinking about what, um, what could one do to actually impact that level? You know, is there anything that people could do to impact that level? Again, we're back to the thing about, we're not even talking about story yet, right? He's, yes. curious, he's curious about oxytocin levels and, and increasing trust. And, um, so he did this study with uh, two groups of people and both groups of people were shown um, a video of a dad playing with his kid. Um, they're at a playground and there's a dad playing with a kid. In one video, that's all the video is, just a dad playing with his kid. Uh, in the second video, uh, which only which you know, half of the people saw, at the end of the video, um, there's a... Um, the dad gets close to the camera and the kids in the background and the dad reveals that um, the kid is dying of cancer. So um, now the people who watched these videos had their oxytocin levels measured beforehand and afterwards. So what difference is oxytocin? And it may not be a surprise that in the second group who got that extra bit of information about you know, this child's um, short lifetime expectancy, uh, their oxytocin went way up. In other words, they trusted the thing that this person was saying, or they, they had now trust towards this character. They had trust towards this dad because he had revealed this information. Now, what's happening there, of course, is that, um, you know, uh, he's telling a story and with, with a certain bit of in, emotional information. Mm. We can... We can dive into that in a second. So then the yep. third so then the third experiment was now Polzak was curious if trust gets high, if oxytocin levels go up, and we can influence that using emotional information in communication, what's the impact of that? Might people change their behavior if once their trust level goes up? And so in the third experiment, he um, got 40 people. And uh, 20 of them were injected with oxytocin. So, mm -hmm. so which, which automatically means that their trust level, they'll, they'll trust 
anything almost immediately, <laughs> right? Oh dear. <laughs> and they were all the given old love drug. The old love drug, and they were all given five pounds and told to watch a bunch of PSAs from um, from UK different UK charities. So again, these UK charity videos were all about here are the causes, here are the people that we're helping. You know, um, PSAs, public service announcements. Right? Public service announcements, exactly right. And then at the end, they were asked um, who would want to donate some of that five pounds back to any of these organisations that they were that they had heard from. Right. And the ones injected with oxytocin were 56% more likely to donate to a cause. They had, their trust was higher. They were more likely to um, donate to a cause. And so this is then the work that Polzak has continued to do since then, which is around um, seeing how the building of trust actually leads people to um, do something you know that's either costly to them in terms of time or money based on the trust level that's that's there right right and so um i think what's interesting if i think about um what you know what we do in anecdote what we what we talk about is we you know we we talk about using story to build rapport to show a little piece of you know when you introduce yourself to someone you're um, showing a piece of yourself. You're telling an example of something that happened in your life to show people that you're like them. And um, this research would back that up, that in, in order to build trust, you need to share some emotional information about yourself or that trust level to go up. And then you might do something together if that trust isn't there. Yeah. I'm curious, what do you think, Mark and Sean? What do you... Oh, I'm tempted to tell the Gary from Mumbai story. <laughs> <laughs> Now hold on before we do that, David. Let's let's just uh, talk on the you know this this topic. I mean, did he actually get to the point where he was talking about the relationship between story and oxytocin? Was that did that come out in his research? So it was the 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 research was around um, the the uh, mechanism is it the mechanism you? because I don't think he could measure how much more emotional that story was with the dad, right? That, that's a hard right. thing to do. How much more emotional is the story? But what was shown was when um, when someone reveals something of themselves or reveals something that is of high yep. stakes, yep. Um, that then uh, trust, greater trust is built. And, you know, it's very hard to do that with dot points. Exactly, you know, exactly. You know, or, a, or a CV, you know, like, mm -hmm. so, tell, so, you know, when we ask, you know, I can't, I can't think of the number of rooms I've been in where, you know, uh, meeting rooms where, you know, people are introducing themselves to each other. And here's my CV again, you know. <laughs> I've, I've, yeah, been in the, I've, I've been in these markets. I've done this, this degree. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and I've worked for this company. I hold this position and I've done it, but, you know, and I've got that. And, that. and it's kind of, it's, it's interesting. Is impressive an emotion? I'm not sure it is because it seems that they're the in well, they're going circums, for impressive. But, well, they're going, yeah, so they're aiming <laughs> right. for impressive, but but impressive doesn't equate to an emotional response from the audience. Uh, in fact, it it doesn't it doesn't mean I go, oh no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong so emotion probably goes down. Yeah, yeah. There is a um, you know, sort of a, a manipulation element to all this, of course, and you know. That knowing knowing this and knowing the responses, uh, it's you know it, it is giving you the it opens things up to potential for manipulation, um, and and I suppose with anything it's about you know 
doing things for good, you know, all those types of things. What's the intent behind it? Um, but it's worth noting. I mean, you wouldn't want to just gloss over that, right? Well, so I, I guess that's one of the reasons why we always advocate in our work that it's you never make it up. Yes, right? that's so right. It's always uh, a real thing that happened. It's a it's a, a an accurate recount of an event that shows something about you. It's not some piece of BS that you've just made up to manipulate your audience. Yeah, because if you do that, well, yeah, you're not you're playing a game that we're not uh, that we don't want to be part of. Yeah. And the other thing I love is once you've told people, someone a story and if you could say to them transparently, the reason I told you that story was for these reasons, would they be upset? And I love that as a test, right? Yeah. Which is like, if I told you the reason, like I told you this, told you this story because I want you to, to donate to this cause. And if, then, if they're not upset by that, then that's, you know, that's an ethical use of story. If they were upset, it may not that's be. That's right. If you get the slap in the face. That's you right. know, you've overstepped the mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's fantastic. What a that's a great story. Uh, so the Mumbai story, Mark, is that um, I, I suspect I know the story, but I don't think you've shared it on this podcast, have you? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I'd love to. Hear, I'd love your hear your telling. Because I don't. I remember when it was told um, when I was in that work, workshop and um, and. I'd love to hear your telling because see if it uh, varies to what I heard. Right. So uh, it was from a workshop that you ran in Singapore and one of the participants was the head of HR for uh, a big company, a regional head of HR. And so their company had acquired a smaller company in Mumbai, in uh, India, headquartered yeah. in Mumbai. And under Indian law, the employees of the smaller company had to resign their employment contracts and sign a new contract with the acquiring company. And they wouldn't do it because there was very little trust. And Gary talked about how he'd gone, to, and it's not his real name, by the way. Um, so Gary had gone to Mumbai, you know, sent to Mumbai, you're the head of HR, mate, sort this out. And uh, he's got the slide deck and he's got, and he, he looked logically, the deal that they were offering was good, right? It was, it was at, at, at at the, in the very worst case, it was the same as what they currently got. In most cases, it was much better. So um, logically, it was not a problem. Uh, and, and Gary knew that. And he talked about how he'd be, he was walking to the big town hall event where he was going to address all the employees and take them through all the data and make the logical, rational case. And he said he was walking from his hotel to the event, which wasn't far, and through the streets of Mumbai, very crowded, and he sees a little boy about 10 years old carrying some very heavy shopping bags and, and looking like he was struggling. But in addition to that, he had a little metal pail with eggs, like brimming with eggs, and he's trying not to drop the eggs. And Gary's thinking, he's thinking, this kid's going to drop a lot. So he goes over, and as he approaches the little boy, the little boy kind of recoils in um, you know, surprise. Who is this guy? Fear, you know, who is this guy? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, he's scared. And, and Gary goes, look, I just want to help you, right? Where do you live? I'll carry the heavy bags. I've got plenty of time. And the little boy's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't trust you. But eventually he hands over the heavy bags and Gary walks with him. They don't say anything. Just They just walk. Um, of course, words got out. And by the time they've walked into the, uh, into the little laneway where he lives, there's people gathered and the mum is at the front door. She sees Gary, big, tall, white guy, walking with her son, 
right? He's dressed in a suit. The son's dressed in rags. Um, and, and she, her face darkens like, wow, what's going on? Anyway, Gary walks up, hands the mother the bags, tells her what happened. The little boy looks up at him, smiles, and goes inside. And Gary said that he went to the workshop, or to the all, you know, to the, the all staff meeting, and he just stood on stage and he said, "On my way here, this is what happened. This happened, and I've realised that you are exactly the same as that little boy and his mum. You don't know me. You don't. You've got no reason to trust me. I don't look like you." Uh, I'm going to take you through the information as best I can. I'm going to answer your best, answer your questions as best I can. Blah blah blah. And anyway, at the end of the at the end of the uh, the workshop or at the end of the the presentation, they all re- yeah, resigned their contracts and signed the new ones. Yeah, it's a lovely a lovely story, isn't it? You know, and again, it comes back, Rob, to the this whole issue of trust. Obviously, the oxytocin uh, yep. levels uh, bumped up, and yeah. Hey, tell me, I haven't seen the final version, you know, the sort of put together design version of this paper. What's the size and shape of it uh, now? What do, what did we get it down to? We got it down to I think three or four pages. We've got a like just and it's full of stories, right? We've got the story, the stories of the research. I think we've got something yeah. like five or six stories in there, um, and each like that Polzak example just showing um here's what happened in the in in this particular study and here's what they found and maybe just a comment about you know what we here don't go to curious about or what it shows or what it what it points towards yeah um, um and yeah i i think it's it's fascinating so you'll 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 find that on our um on our website yeah should be there soon yeah and, the, and um, so rob what are the what are the the the, the big ticket indicators uh what a story from the science of storytelling paper, what do we learn about the utility of story? That's a great uh, question. Um, so various things. One is a, uh, one bit of research is about uh, that. So, so many people, you know, we come across will say, well, I'm not a storyteller because they imagine themselves to have to, you know, um, I don't know, put on a costume or, <laughs> you know, and we have to enthrall people for hours. Uh, you know, there's a piece of research around, showing that actually this technology, as in communicating through story, is available to everyone, and everyone is a natural storyteller. Um, another bit of research around uh, introducing a new idea, and especially if that new idea is important and needs to stick. So, for example, a new strategy or a new way of doing things has you know, been introduced into an organization or something like that. Um, there's some research that shows what happens in the brain when something is communicated through story um, and how story will increase its stickiness within within the brain. Um, yeah, and I reckon there's something really interesting around that in terms of how we love completeness. You know, like, so you have an idea, it's complete, it's, you have all the elements. And if someone comes along and just wants to pull out one little chunk and put in another chunk, you know, like... <laughs> almost like a sequence, DNA sequence replacement or something like that. It doesn't work because it's, we're very resistant to our ideas being chopped up. So we need it replaced by this whole new idea, which is nice, which is complete and more compelling than the, the previous one, right? Uh, and I think this is, it's, it's this idea that, you know, you have to replace one with the other rather, and you can't just take it away. You can't just sort of say, oh, we don't have that anymore. You know, people want it to be there. Um, yeah, exactly, so yeah, Sean. And I, is that, I, is I find that really interesting, yeah. 
There's actually a bit of research specifically around strongly held views. And I think uh, that research was done recently in context of um, how everything is so deeply, um, I don't know what the word is, people are, fi are fighting in their corners much more deeply these days. You know, Right, yeah, partisan. Or partisan, yes, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So those are, and, and of course, the one that we just talked about was um, that story is more likely, that communicating an idea um, using story is more likely to produce action or some sort of um, behavior change. So those, those, as, those, as the Gary from Mumbai story demonstrated. Be beautifully demonstrates, yeah. Now, I think one of the other ones in the paper is about memory, right? Which is the one that we all have a bit of a chuckle about because there is that meme that has floated through the internet and been picked up by very substantial people, um, that stories are 22 times more memorable than facts alone. Right? We've all seen it, right? Um, many, many times. I saw it, I saw it in somebody's uh, you know, advertising their storytelling abilities yesterday. Is that right? Uh, let me teach you how stories are 22 times more memorable. Wow. Yeah, because, again, it... it from the work I did to try to trace where that came from, I eventually found a, a phrase, a, you know, a sentence in Jerome Bruner's, one of Jerome Bruner's uh, books. And he says in the book, you know, he's one of these amazing psychologists who did heaps of work on story. So he knows story extremely well. He never did any, um, you know, experimental research on the memorability of story, but he's seen story. And he makes this just offhand comment. He just sort of says, you know, stories are probably about 20 times more memorable than facts alone. You know, so he's just given this riff and, it's an opinion. Yeah, an opinion. He's given his opinion. Yeah. And, he said, and, he's, and he has all those words about perhaps, you know, like <laughs> he's, he's covering himself as best as he can. And that morphs into stories are 22 times because we all know that if it's 22 that's more precise and therefore must be true mm -hmm. right and indicates that there was actual science behind it that's right there's some research yeah. to pull that up yeah. um, i mean the best we could find is that stories probably around about seven times more memorable but holy smoke seven times more memorable i mean that is if you had 700 percent better at anything that's pretty good, isn't it? You're going to take that. You're going to You're take, take that. It. Hey, yeah. I, could you make my golf game a seven times better? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Exactly. So, so that one's in there as well, which I think is a, is a good one just to remind people, you know, what the, what the parameters are in, in what we're doing here. Yeah. I also want to go back to the Paul Zach story because I had the, the good fortune to meet Paul Zach in uh, Washington, a few years ago, we were both uh, exhibiting at uh, the ATD Expo. And so I you know, slunk, slunk around to uh, Paul's booth and, and we had a, had a fantastic chat and he was super interested. And uh, we've got this uh, kind of nascent idea about uh, doing some research on communicating a strategy using the typical assertion method or using a strategy story. So that's, anyway, so met Paul, he's a terrific, he's a giant, by the way, he's, you know, like I'm 6'2", he would have been at least 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And he's also a hugger, right? <laughs> like the hug. And he, he's got this device that measures your oxytocin levels. It's a watch. 
right? And you put the watch on. And and so he's he's talked me into putting this watch on. He's giving me a big hug and then watching the readout change on the uh, on the on the screen of my oxytocin levels it didn't change much. Oh, you didn't get se- <laughs> you didn't get seven hundred percent. No. <laughs> Uh, but uh, he was a, he's a, a lovely guy. It would be great to do some research with him. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, this is, I'm just thinking about that. You know, that's a story triggering activity, you know, doing something that's different. You know, the fact it gets you to put a watch on gives you a hug. It's got emotion. You're going back to that emotion thing. It's mm-hmm. got, um, it's something a bit weird and something a bit different. You'll remember it, right? As I you am. have. Yeah. Yep. Well, guys, this has been a fun chat about uh, the white paper, and um, I really look forward to seeing it up on the website. So for everyone who's listening in, go and check it out. We'll probably send you some emails or some stuff on social media to point you in the right direction. Um, but jump in early and, and grab it. We'd love to hear what you think. And, and if you come across other experiments that uh, illustrate the efficacy both good and bad right i mean it doesn't all have to be hey rah rah for storytelling um if you find something that shows the dark side or the the you know the problems with it we'd love to see that as well and sean maybe more of those 22 times you know more myths let's find some more story myths to bust yeah let's bust some more myths i think that would be great uh so fantastic everyone uh any last comments guys before we uh, finish up we're all good well, okay. So thanks again, everyone, for, for listening to uh, Anecdotally Speaking. And thanks, Rob, for coming along and, and really driving the whole uh, development of that paper. And, of course, we'll see you next week uh, as you tune in for another episode of Putting Stories to Work. Mark is looking at me like I should say something extra, like he's got an <laughs> idea. Oh, okay. Um, no, that was just me off with, with the pixies, actually. So oh. you should finish by saying bye for now. Bye for now. Okay, see you guys. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from Author to Audio.